You're listening to the Psalms for Sojourners podcast, in which we look at the Psalms as prayers for God's people on every occasion. We hope it's a blessing to you. Hi, and thanks for listening to Psalms for Sojourners. I'm Cole Kirby, a pastor at Sojourn Montrose and a host of this podcast. In this week's episode, I was joined by Pastor Drew Knowles, who has been a pastor at Sojourn Heights for a number of years and is now preparing to plant another congregation in the Sojourn family in Garden Oaks, north of the Heights. Drew is a dear friend of mine, and he's one who consistently brings ideas to me, which challenge me and force me to think in ways I wouldn't otherwise. In the past couple of years, Drew has been exposed to singing the Psalms for the first time, and in this episode, I was able to ask him about that experience, and we discussed the topic of psalm singing, how that has been a blessing to him, and ways that others can participate in it. We also talked about how integrating the psalms more fully into corporate worship might look in contexts where that might initially feel odd or out of place. The conversation was one of exploration and sharing experiences, and I hope you find it interesting, compelling, and helpful. So without further ado, here's that conversation with Pastor Drew Knowles. All right, I'm here with Pastor Drew Knowles, um, and so Drew, thanks for joining us for Psalms for Sojourners. Uh, before we get started, just want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Yeah, thank you. I'm happy to be here. I have been on staff at Sojourn Heights since January of 2011, so coming up on 10 years, but next month I am coming off of staff there to begin work, working towards planting a church north of the Heights in the Oak Forest area, so looking forward to that. Um, I have a wife and four kids. Amber is the executive director of Fostering Family, which is a foster care nonprofit here in Houston, and then Adeline, Judah, Oliver, and Josiah, ages six to two, and they're actually upstairs playing at the moment. So, yeah, we might hear them in the background a little bit. Um, and for those who are listening, uh, Drew's the the church that Drew is in the process of preparing to plant will be a sojourn congregation. Correct. Um, and so, as we before we get started, one thing I like to ask all of the guests is just uh, to explain a little bit about what role the Psalms play in your life as a Christian, and if that's changed significantly uh, in recent years, um, if you want to share about that as well. Yeah, so the Psalms have always been there for me personally, and I've engaged with them in varying degrees throughout my Christian life. Uh, but within the past few years, I've, I've really come to appreciate them more at Sojourn Heights, we have what we call discipleship intensives, which are groups of six to eight people that um, meet with a pastor once a week for 36 weeks, and we go through the Gospel of John, and we are praying through all 150 psalms within that time span. And I think people find that, that practice very rewarding and fruitful, um, and they grow to love the psalms in a way that they didn't previously. I, I, I love that. I, I love getting to pray those pray those things with people on a weekly basis. Um, more recently, I've come into contact with certain theologians and other churches that um, make a practice out of singing the Psalms. 
and I always thought that was going to be strange. Um, and, and I mean, it, at first it was, but uh, over the past couple years, I've, I've had experience actually singing psalms with people, and I have zero experience doing it inside a local church. Um, so this is very aspirational for me at the moment, but um, it's, it's very good and very easy to sing the psalms with other Christian people. Um, so that, that has grown my love for the psalms immensely, being able to set it to music and sing those words as a prayer to God. Yeah, and, and so that kind of brings us to the topic that we were wanting to discuss today, which is just broadly the idea of singing the psalms. Uh, in the first kind of introductory episode of Psalms for Sojourners, I, I talked about the psalms as biblical literature, and one of the things I said is that they're, they're meant to be sung. They're written as poems generally to be set to music and yeah. to be sung. Um, but that's something that for, for both of us in our history in the church, like growing up in the church and in the churches where we work and serve now, it, that's something that's absent from our practice. And I think for most evangelicals, especially in the West, that is something that seems foreign, even though we might recognize it as a historical idea or kind of an intellectual concept that these are songs. Um, it's not something that we have a lot of experience with, but we have talked over the past year or so as you've started singing the Psalms and that's been moving. And I've seen how that has been moving to you and also challenging to you. Um, and so what, in what ways do you think you experience the Psalms just individually when you're singing them with others or even singing them alone versus just reading them, studying them, or praying them? Yeah, I mean, on one hand, it's kind of obvious that the difference between, you know, if you were to take your favorite song in the whole world, for example, if you were to go home and simply read the lyrics to yourself, it would not move you in the same way as actually listening to that song set to music just how you like it. Um, and and the, the same is true for the Psalms. If we're, if we're only reading the lyrics, we're never going to be moved by them in the way that we would if we, if we had set them to music. And, and so, I mean, that speaks to the power of doing it. Um, when we sing the Bible, we, we grow to love the Bible because that's just the power of music. Um. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think that's true of poetry in general is, is there's a beautiful power to the written word and the expression of writing meaningful words and, and reading them in the silence of your room or your study or wherever it is that you might read. But, but poetry and songwriting is far more effective when you're hearing it performed. That's why there are poetry readings and that's why there are concerts and records recorded because songwriters don't just write songs so that they can be read, they write them so that they can be sung and heard and experienced right. in that artistic form because there's a way in which it sets upon our mind and our emotions in a different way. Um, and, and so, so I guess for me, I, I love the concept of singing the psalms 
but I don't know even where to begin with that. And so when you've sung the Psalms with others, like what has that experience been like? At, at first, it's very strange. Um, if you have zero experience with it, as I did when I first started, um, you're kind of leaning on people around you who have more experience to kind of lead the way. But that, that's true anytime we're learning a new song. Um, but this is a, a whole different style of singing. We call it chanting, um, which is really just a word that means singing. Um, but it's it's speaking the Bible in, in accordance with a melody, basically. Um, and the way, they, the way they mark it on the page is really intuitive. The melodies are very simple. You can memorize them one time through so that so whoever's playing the accompaniment will play the melody one time through. At that point, you've basically got it. And so now you're just watching the markings on the page to determine when you go up or when you go down. Um, it's really simple, but it's also just, again, really moving. Uh, to be able to do that next brothers and sisters um, singing the words of scripture back to God it's a powerful thing yeah so so musically when you talk about chanting and and this like memorizing this melody that I assume is just kind of repeated mm-hmm. throughout the psalm it I grew up in a, a small town Baptist church where we sang out of the hymnal with an organ player or a piano player and the organ player or piano player would always play the melody to the hymn one time through, and then we would begin singing. And, and so is it metrical in that way, or, or is it different? Um, a lot of the settings that I've sung, that I've seen and that I've sung, have been a total of eight notes, um, just repeating throughout the psalm. So you're you know, not, not all lines of the psalm are the same length, so you're, you're fitting it into the notes as you go. And so the, the organist or the piano player can play that note a couple times to let you get through the words. But yeah, the, the melody, the actual melody is very short, much shorter than a hymn, um, so much more easily memorized. As yeah. Well. yeah. And so it is, it's much more of a chant than, than a hymn. Right. But the, there are also metrical psalms. Um, and this is a popular option for a lot of people who find chant to be strange. Um, but the metrical psalms are basically paraphrases of the psalms set in hymn format um, with iambic pentameter, uh, much more easy for English people to sing or, or people who have experience singing hymns to sing the psalms that way. Um, but, you know, you're, you're sacrificing a bit of how it was originally written and the form in which it was originally written for the sake of singing it in a format that is more familiar to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a key question. One, I mean, we've already discussed that the Psalms are songs generally. They're written as poems meant to be put to music, to be sung. Many which have direct instruction for a choir master or an orchestra leader or whoever so that a congregation can join in singing this and even setting it to music. Um, but, but apart from the fact that they were originally written as songs, what, what do you think is like, why should we as the church fundamentally care? Like, why should we sing them? Mm -hmm. 
why should we sing them at all um, is, is pretty easy because the New Testament tells us to. Um, Ephesians 5, verses 18 to 21, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, we, we can debate what hymns and spiritual songs are, but there's no debate over what psalms are. Paul is commanding us to sing the psalms. He says it again in Colossians 3, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I, I think it's really interesting and important to notice what Paul is associating psalm singing with in these verses. Filling, with the, filling of the Spirit and the indwelling of the Word of Christ. As we sing the psalms, the Spirit speaks in us and to us and through us because these are Spirit-inspired words. And so in a real sense, we are being we are being caught up into a Trinitarian conversation because the Spirit fills us as we sing the words of Christ back to the Father. Um, and, and we simply have to believe that when we pray this way and when we sing this way, God hears that prayer and, and works mightily and, and does powerful works um, on account of our prayers. So that that's a biblical reason for why we ought to sing the psalms because the bible says to um it's also the songbook in the bible um you know you I, I think you talked with dodds about the the psalms being a wonderful book for counseling but i can't think of any other book in the bible to go to if we're trying to learn how to worship um so it, it's also a wonderful book perhaps the book for how to worship as as god's people um and I think it's important to sing all 150 of them. Um, it, it's telling that the the early church was singing them all. Um, less than 200 years ago, Reformed churches were exclusively singing the Psalms and singing all of them. And and I say that knowing that some Psalms are going to match our situation better than others or, or fit our stage of life or whatever it is that we're going through. Um, but there, there are more reasons to sing the psalm than just, hey, this really speaks to me right now. Um, you can sing a psalm for the person sitting next to you who's going through something really difficult. You can, you can sing a psalm about persecution and, and needing the Lord to preserve you and protect you for the sake of your brothers and sisters across the world who are facing real persecution in a way that we're not. Um, so uh, understanding the, the corporate nature of not just your local congregation, but of the global church means that we can sing every psalm, no matter what, and it, and it applies. Sure. It, and I think, that, I think that point that you're making is really helpful because there are a lot of psalms that on any given day I might read or even be so bold to sing them that feel removed from my current station. Um, right. But it's not rare that I'll read a psalm that feels removed from my current station but seems extremely applicable to a brother or sister situation that I know. Um, well, I Even last week I was reading a psalm 
in which the psalmist talks about how his his mother and father have abandoned him. And as a foster parent, I understand that. And I can pray that on behalf of children who have or will come into my care. Um, Even though my mother and father have not abandoned me, um, it is no less true for for people who whom God loves and considers part of his fold um, and, and I think we can also sing the Psalms confidently all 150 because because we have reason to believe Jesus did that that they were his chief hymn book absolutely in temple worship and just in the life of a first century devout Jew the Psalms were the prayer book and hymn book uh, for God's people, and so, so they should be f- for us as well. I think the, I, I think the disconnect is is how do we really get there in a practical way? Sure. Be- because like you're talking about the Reformed Church a couple hundred years ago, who seemed to neglect the hymns and the spiritual songs. Yeah. Like we we just sing the Psalter, and and now we've we've shifted to where we have. A vast collection of beautiful hymns and spiritual songs and we sing them gladly and they are good for us they inform us they disciple us yeah but we've neglected the Psalter and and there has to be a way in which all three of those can exist and and I've even thought about it in this in a way that even musically the idea of a hymn is is this metrical repeated melody extremely approachable for congregational singing um, derived from scriptural themes spiritual songs you know I think of in our context more modern Christian worship music that is that is much more in the style of modern pop music or you know just more approachable modern music but is no less valuable from a lyrical standpoint oftentimes and and then if we're engaging with the psalms there's a whole nother way in which that is musically like going to be musically applied and so there's this really diverse possibility of a gathered worship on a sunday with this extremely varied collection of musical ways in which we bring our praise to the lord and that sounds beautiful but it also sounds Shocking. Yeah. 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 And so to be clear, I'm, I'm certainly not advocating a return to exclusive psalmody, only singing the psalms. Um, more so, I, I just, I want us to realize and recognize and acknowledge what we've lost by singing pretty much everything but the psalms. Um, So Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, whenever the Psalter is abandoned, an incomparable treasure vanishes from the Christian church, and with its recovery will come unsuspected power. So because the the ministry of music in the church is a ministry of the word, and that's why we choose, choose our songs so carefully, but if that's true, and because that is true, there is no greater basis from which to build a ministry of music than singing the words of the Bible. Because when we, when we sing the words of the Bible, it's going to raise the bar for us on what is a good song, what is a good hymn, what is a good spiritual song, right? Because the Bible is our bar. 
Right. Um, we have 150 songs that God wrote for us. Right. And so that's going to set the standard pretty high for what and it and it sets the standard broadly because the psalms are so varied in their themes um in yeah, sure. in the emotional experience uh, there are psalms that are angry and sad and depressed and paranoid and joyful and all these things and and it opens up this whole new way in which we can bring music to the lord that that frankly most hymns and spiritual psalms songs are not engaging with yeah, um, and, and I think I think it's important too for us to just to, to realize how powerful a tool this is for discipleship. Worship is discipleship in a very real sense, but um, singing the words of the Bible, singing the Psalms, is also incredibly powerful for our own Christian formation. You were talking about the breadth of it. Well, the Psalms can form us in all the ways that we need to be formed. And, and where the Psalms seem not to fit with our experience or seem not to fit with our culture, I, I think it's likely that that's an area that God is wanting to reshape and refine how we're thinking or how we're living in, in that regard. Do you have an example? Yeah, I mean, anytime... We don't often think about our Christian life as warfare anytime anytime the psalms talk about engaging in warfare that's going to sound strange to us because we're here in houston texas we're sitting in a air-conditioned room on a padded chair you know with our friends and family Um, this does not look like warfare but perhaps god is inviting us to expand our imagination a bit and and see that actually no you're you're engaging in something very real and and there are cosmic powers at play here. And when we sing, when we sing especially the Bible, and, and especially when, I would argue, especially when children sing the Bible, um, the Psalms actually tell us that when, the, when children sing the Bible, um, the powers that be are... Silenced? Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Pushed away. Pushed away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that the the themes in the Psalms that often that that I read and that just seem foreign to my experience as a Christian are often those those Psalms in which David is paranoid because he's being pursued and his life is at risk, or there's these themes of battle and warfare, um, where the stakes of bloodshed and like real imminent danger seems so high, and and I know there's a there's a reality that we have brothers and sisters in other parts of the world who are experiencing that to a degree, um, far more than we are experiencing it. We know almost nothing of real suffering as as Christians, but but I think the writers of the New Testament make it clear that that the warfare that even Israel engaged in throughout her her transformation from Abraham to the land of Canaan and in and out of exile and all these things, the, the warfare was, I mean, it was an echo, um, a foreshadowing for the life of the church Mm -hmm. in which we are engaging with this war against principalities and, 
darkness and where we are light, but but that doesn't mean darkness isn't advancing and encroaching upon us. And, and so there are ways in which we can embody those psalms and sing them faithfully. Yeah. And I, I would argue from the book of Hebrews that we're not we're not singing warfare psalms simply thinking about what it must have been like for Israel to engage in real warfare. I think that was a foreshadow of the church's warfare. And I think this is what you were saying. What we're doing is the real thing. Right. What we're doing is what the actual flesh and blood battle that Israel was fighting was foreshadowing what we're doing in corporate worship when we sing, um, when we engage in spiritual warfare and um, see the kingdom come. I think what we're doing is the real thing. Right. So I, I, I don't, again, I'm not advocating exclusive psalmody, and I'm not even recommending that a, a church that wants to start singing the psalms just jumps into chanting, you know, announcing on Sunday that next week we'll be chanting a psalm. You know, <laughs> get yourself ready. Um, I think that there are faithful steps we can take toward incorporating the psalms into our worship, not just our personal prayer lives, but into our corporate worship. Um, we can we can read the psalms together, call and response style. Um, singing metrical psalms, I think, would, would be very natural for a sojourn congregation that is comfortable singing hymns. Um, and and I think there are other there are other places where we can experiment with psalm singing that aren't on Sunday morning necessarily at least not not immediately um, like a corporate prayer gathering or, or some other church meeting where um, we aren't actively engaged in word and sacrament of the corporate worship where we have visitors coming in but really this is this is a church member setting where we can you know love one another enough to sound ridiculous in front Experiment of one another with and something. yeah and yeah. and try something try something new so. in your reading of those texts from colossians and ephesians do you think paul was specifically referring to the sunday gathering or just to when christians are gathered together in a familial sense or both yes uh yes both um i think of of course of course he's talking about corporate worship. Um, of course when we get together as the church, these are, these are songs that we could and should sing to one another. Um, but in a, in a neighborhood parish gathering and in, in someone's home, you know, th there is no setting where singing a psalm is inappropriate. Um, so surely he, he, he would mean both. Yeah. Maybe don't do it in the movie theater. Right. I, Perhaps I should amend that statement. <laughs> so, as one who has begun singing the psalms in certain settings, ha has that transitioned into a more regular routine in your life, or is that something that is still primarily reserved for those settings in which the psalms are sung? I wish. Um, that's that's one reason why I'm, I, I want to teach myself the piano, because I want to be able to do that on my own and not not depend upon being in the in the right setting to be able to sing a psalm with other people but um no i i i think 
I, I will say that the psalms that I've learned in singing the psalms with, with other people outside of Sojourn stick with me. And, and I, I, even though I'm not able to play the accompaniment and learn a new psalm, the psalms that I have sung and sung repeatedly are in my head. And I can, I can sing them as I go about my day doing really anything. And, and I often, often find the psalms, more than, more than other songs that I love and enjoy, are entering into my head at various moments throughout the day. Um, I think it speaks to the power of doing it, once again. Um, that the power of having an entire congregation that over the course of a few years has most of the Psalter memorized can't be, that can't be overstated how powerful that would be. Sure. Um, not just for our, our corporate existence and, and our understanding of what we are to be for our city and for our world, but also just individually and in, um, in our own spiritual health and emotional health and mental health and all of that, being able to have those words constantly, not just in our hearts and in our minds, but on our tongues. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I've tried to say consistently on this podcast is that that one of the primary functions of the Psalms, it, God's grace to us in the Psalms, is that they teach us how to pray. And yeah. the thought of having the Psalter in whole memorized means that my ability to pray faithfully, effectively, and in, in line with the Spirit would just be far greater greater than it is now yeah um because because then i have essentially all of the prayers of god at at my disposal for when they apply and maybe even when they don't feel like they apply um and i think what you were saying about music and memorization is is key i i love words i love language written language and i love reading prose but I almost never memorize prose, right? Like I don't have passages from my favorite novels memorized. Right. I might have a line or two that just really stuck with me, but generally they're poetic in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have hundreds of songs memorized where you could just turn them on and I would begin singing along because that's just the way that music works with the brain is it, it, it is so much easier to memorize music. And so Scripture memory for me has always been nightmarishly difficult. Um, And I'll I'll memorize a passage and then two weeks later I will have forgotten it. But the thought of memorizing an entire book of the Bible because I'm singing it, that sounds approachable. Like that sounds like something that I could reasonably do. You could do it without really even thinking about it. Because that's the way song singing works, Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a really compelling reason to begin exploring singing the psalms just from a discipleship perspective is oh well it it will aid me in memorizing scripture and the renewal of my mind in doing so um and and i think that it's it's compelling to me to to start engaging with singing the psalms and start thinking about even how i can on an individual level or how my neighborhood parish can or or even how Sojourn Montrose can, um, knowing that, th- th- yeah, we're not going to jump in head first and just start yeah. chanting a bunch of psalms every Sunday. 
Um, nor should you. Right. And it, nor should you kick down your pastor's door if you think that you should. So, right. So. And so I think my final question is, if somebody's listening um, who may not even be part of a sojourn congregation, who's just listening to the podcast and are part of a congregation where where singing the Psalms is not part of what they do, um, they they don't think it's going to become part of what they do, um, how can that person faithfully engage with singing the Psalms in a way that's helpful um, while remaining a faithful and humble and kind member in their congregation? Right. Well, I, there are a number of resources. If, if you're musically inclined and musically skilled, I think you could, you could purchase a, uh, a psalter from anywhere, really, yeah. and begin to learn how to do that, begin to teach yourself how to do that. Do it with your family, do it with extended family or friends or, or whatever. Um, so there are ways to expose yourself. I, I, there are also YouTube channels that actually have the chant setting on the screen and you can sing along with it, learn it that way. Um, but as far as, as far as working towards integrating it into the church, um, I would encourage you to be very patient and very wise and loving towards your leaders. If you're in leadership, still be all those things. Um, but if you are a member of a church and, and you're wanting to see the church change in this way, um, be as gentle and wise and patient as the Bible is trying to form you toward being. Um, just because you think you have it right in your head doesn't mean you get to treat people poorly in the process. Um, that would be counterproductive. But um, what you desire is a good thing. Um, so want to affirm that uh, and want to remind everyone um, to continue loving one another in, in the in-between, so. Yeah, yeah, I think that one of the things that, for better or for worse, most Christians have extremely strong opinions about is, is the music at corporate worship what yeah. songs should be sung, how they should be sung, what instrumentation should be used, how many songs should be sung. And so the thought of, of trying to begin changing that in any congregation setting is extremely difficult. I mean, even for a pastor at a congregation, it's extremely difficult mm -hmm. to start thinking through that. Um, because, because music is something people hold so close and dear that when you start talking about changing the ways that you're doing things, it's really hard. But I think that this conversation is helpful in just thinking about it as, as something that we can incrementally grow into, which I think as, as a Christian personally, that's something that's always been hard for me is the slowness of, mm -hmm. of growth and transformation. And, and yet it's also a key part of the way that God disciples us, I think is, is teaches us to be patient as we grow and as we grow as a family um, because we don't grow alone in a vacuum. We grow as part of a congregation, hopefully. Um, yeah. And, and so I think that thought of like, we can, we can set on a road with aspirations toward engaging with the Psalms 
uh, in congregational worship, in singing, in all these things. And we can also do so with a humble and patient spirit that says, it, it might take years to really grow into this, but Lord willing, we have them. Um, yeah. And... And so I think that I think that's helpful. It makes me want to start actually cracking open my Psalter hymnal that I have, and trying to learn to read music a little bit, and just trying to engage with that on my own. Give it a go. Yeah. Well, I think this has been helpful. Uh, I think it's been fun to talk about. And um, you want to sing us a, a psalm for us on our way out? Gosh, no. <laughs> um. <laughs> No, but I, I, I will, I will say, um, psalm singing is incredibly powerful. We've we've said it a number of times already, but I'll say it again. Psalm singing is incredibly powerful. Um, it seems like sometimes it feels like our our world, Western civilization, is falling apart at the seams, um, and whether it is or it isn't we should still sing the psalms um, because they, they're going to give us great comfort. They're going to prepare us to live faithfully in the midst of whatever the times bring us. Um, but also, the, it's going to change the world. Um, the early church sang the psalms and the world changed. And the reformers sang the psalms and the world changed. And, you know, channeling that quote from Bonhoeffer, we don't know what power we are forfeiting when we abandon the Psalter. Mm. So. Yeah, and so it's power that we can reclaim and re-engage with as we engage with the prayers that God has given us and the songs that he's given us to sing. Absolutely. Well, I'm inspired uh, to, to try singing a psalm for the first time, but I won't do it on this recording um, because I, I. I don't think that would be a ministry of the Spirit. <laughs> Maybe not even a ministry of music. <laughs> Certainly not. Well, Drew, it was really good to have you, and I appreciate you coming and being on. Glad to be here. Thanks. Thanks.